Hello? 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 Yes, this is MCO. Hello? This is MCO. Hello? Hello? This is another MCO and transmission. And welcome back to the Lotus Underground. This is MC Owens, and today I'm beginning a new series of recordings for the Lotus Underground, and these will accompany my 10-week course in Buddhism that I offer called Turning the Dharma Wheel. Uh, This is a course I offer both privately as part of my one-on-one Dharma tutoring and as a group session, and I offer that about twice a year. Uh, The next group class will begin on Tuesday mornings, beginning March 8th, 2022, and classes will go from 9 to 10.15 a.m. You can find out more about that class at lotusunderground.com. And as part of my course, there's a suggested sutra reading for each of the 10 sessions. And since this course is just about the basics of Buddhism, I'm using only sutras from the earlier uh, Pali Canon, as it's called. Um, And I want to record a simple introduction to each of the texts and a recitation for anyone who's taking my course or anyone who studies with me privately, but also as a way for anyone who listens to this Lotus Underground podcast to sort of be exposed to the basic structure of the class. Um, And so, uh, the first sutra of the course that I recommend everybody reading is the very, very first sutra, the the Buddha's first teaching, which is called the Turning the Dharma Wheel Sutra. In Pali, this sutra is called the Dhamma Chakra Pavatana Sutta. In Sanskrit, it would be the Dharma Chakra Parvartana Sutra. Um, There's also a number of different Chinese and Tibetan versions of this text as well, so we actually have a lot to go on. I'm going to be reading from the Pali version of the text. And there's not much you need to know about this sutra because it's the Buddha's first teaching. But there's basically two different uh, connected teachings, but two different ones. The sutra begins with a kind of a declaration of what are what is called the middle path, uh, the middle path between the two extremes of basically self-indulgence and self-mortification. So that's sort of the beginning of the sutra, is just explaining this, that Buddhism is this middle path between extreme asceticism and extreme hedonism, in that case. But then the heart of this sutra is the, the teaching or the declaration of the Four Noble Truths. The Noble Truth of Dukkha, or suffering, the origin of suffering, the cessation of suffering, and the path which leads to the cessation of suffering. So these are sort of the foundation of Buddhist teachings and certainly the foundation of the first sutra. But what's important to know about this sutra is that it's called the turning the Dharma wheel. And usually that idea of turning the Dharma wheel is, it's kind of just understood as the beginning of Buddhism, (laughs) like when Buddhism started is when the Buddha started teaching. But that's not actually what turning the Dharma wheel means. The basic idea is, as, as I read this sutra and as it is traditionally taught, the Buddha lays out the Four Noble Truths. Once again, that's the, this sort of 
truth of suffering, this truth of dukkha, and then the second noble truth in terms of what's causing it, tanha, craving, wanting, desiring. Third is this idea about nirodha, the cessation of suffering. And then, and the cessation of suffering is, it says very explicitly that that's from the remainderless fading away of that very craving. So there, the third noble truth is about what causes the cessation of suffering. Well, the ending of craving. And then the fourth noble truth is the Eightfold Path. And the Eightfold Path, which I just got done doing a series on, the Eightfold Path is the way to bring about that cessation of the craving, which then leads to the cessation of the suffering. So that's an articulation of the Four Noble Truths. But what actually happens in the Sutra is that the Buddha explains that, well, the way that the way that it's put in the sutra, that he he didn't claim to have attained Anuttara Samyak Sambodhi, this supreme, unsurpassable state of awakening. He says he didn't claim to have attained it until he understood the Four Noble Truths in three ways. And those three ways are traditionally explained as sort of a declarative mode, which is just that there is this suffering. There is this craving, there is this cessation of suffering by ending the craving, and there is a noble eightfold path that leads to that cessation. So the first mode of understanding the Four Noble Truths is just understanding that they are ideas that exist in the world. (laughs) So it's just about hearing them for the first time. The second mode that the Buddha describes is what is in call, what would be called sort of the imperative mode or just this idea that this noble truth of suffering should be understood. This noble truth of the cause of suffering should be abandoned. Craving should be abandoned. This noble truth of the cessation of suffering, it should be practiced and then finally the four noble or sorry the fourth noble truth the eightfold path the idea that it should be developed it should be cultivated and then the third way of looking at the four noble truths that's explained is in this sort of com- um, a mode of completion or this idea that the noble truth of suffering has been understood the noble truth of the cause has been understood. The noble truth of the cessation has been abandoned. And then finally, the noble truth of the Eightfold Path, the Eightfold Path has been developed. And so then the Buddha says that it's only after he examined the four noble truths in those three ways, which total up 12 aspects. That's what it says in the Sutra. So not until all of that does the Buddha claim to have attained this highest state of awakening. And the idea is, again, as I understand it, is that it's approaching the Dharma in three turnings, basically. The initial exposure, the second exposure, which is this imperative mode that there's kind of something to be done here, and then the final third mode that it has been done, that has been completed. And so, in other words, coming to the Four Noble Truths, those three ways is the turning of the Dharma wheel that the Buddha explains. 
And so that is from whence the title of the sutra comes and also the title of my course, Turning the Dharma Wheel, which is also about this idea of being exposed to these ideas and then considering them and then practicing them. And so that's a brief introduction to the Buddha's first teaching. Um, I hope you enjoy it and stay tuned for further recordings in this series to accompany my course on the Turning the Dharma Wheel. This is the Dhammachaka Pavatana Sutta, the setting in motion, the turning of the Dharma wheel, the Buddha's first teaching, from the Samyutta Nikaya, Sutta number 56, point 11. Thus have I heard. On one occasion, the Blessed One was dwelling in Varanasi, in the deer park at Ishipatana. There the Blessed One addressed the bhikkhus, the group of five thus, Bhikkhus, these two extremes should not be followed by one who has gone forth into homelessness. What two? The pursuit of sensual happiness in sensual pleasures, which is low, vulgar, the way of worldlings, ennoble, and unbeneficial, and the pursuit of self-mortification, which is painful, ennoble, and unbeneficial. Without veering towards either of these two extremes, the Tathagata has awakened to the middle way, which gives rise to vision, which gives rise to knowledge, which leads to peace, to direct knowledge, to enlightenment, to nirvana. And what bhikkhus is that middle way awakened to by the Tathagata, which gives rise to vision, which gives rise to knowledge, which leads to peace, to direct knowledge, to enlightenment, to nirvana? It is this noble eightfold path, that is, right view, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. This bhikkhus is that middle way awakened to by the Tathagata, which gives rise to vision, which gives rise to knowledge, which leads to peace, to direct knowledge, to enlightenment, to nirvana. Now this bhikkhus is the noble truth of dukkha, suffering. Birth is suffering. Aging is suffering. Illness is suffering. Death is suffering. Union with what is displeasing is suffering. Separation from what is pleasing is suffering. Not to get what one wants is suffering. In brief, the five aggregates subject to clinging are suffering. Now this bhikkhus is the noble truth of the origin of suffering. It is this craving which leads to renewed existence, accompanied by delight and craving, seeking delight here and there, that is, craving for sensual pleasures, craving for existence, and craving for extermination. Now this bhikkhus, 
is the noble truth of the cessation of suffering. It is the remainderless fading away and cessation of that very same craving, the giving up and relinquishing of it, freedom from it, non-reliance upon it. Now this, bhikkhus, is the noble truth of the way leading to the cessation of suffering. It is this noble eightfold path, that is, right view, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. This is the noble truth of suffering. Thus, bhikkhus, in regard to things unheard before, there arose in me vision, knowledge, wisdom, true knowledge, and light. This noble truth of suffering is to be fully understood. Thus, bhikkhus, in regard to things unheard before, there arose in me vision, knowledge, wisdom, true knowledge, and light. This noble truth of suffering has been fully understood. Thus, bhikkhus, in regard to things unheard before, there arose in me vision, knowledge, wisdom, true knowledge, and light. This is the noble truth of the origin of suffering. Thus, bhikkhus, in regard to things unheard before, there arose in me vision, knowledge, wisdom, true knowledge, and light. This noble truth of the origin of suffering is to be abandoned. Thus, bhikkhus, in regard to things unheard before, there arose in me vision, knowledge, wisdom, true knowledge, and light. This noble truth of the origin of suffering has been abandoned. Thus, bhikkhus, in regard to things unheard before, there arose in me vision, knowledge, wisdom, true knowledge, and light. This is the noble truth of the cessation of suffering. Thus, bhikkhus, in regard to things unheard before, there arose in me vision, knowledge, wisdom, true knowledge, and light. This noble truth of the cessation of suffering is to be realized. Thus, bhikkhus, in regard to things unheard before, there arose in me vision, knowledge, wisdom, true knowledge, and light. This noble truth of the cessation of suffering has been realized. Thus, bhikkhus, in regard to things unheard before, there arose in me vision, knowledge, wisdom, true knowledge, and light. This is the noble truth of the way leading to the cessation of suffering. Thus, bhikkhus, in regard to things unheard before, there arose in me vision, knowledge, wisdom, true knowledge, and light. This noble truth of the way leading to the cessation of suffering is to be developed. Thus, bhikkhus, in regard to things unheard before, there arose in me vision, knowledge, wisdom, true knowledge, and light. This noble truth of the way leading to the cessation of suffering has been developed. Thus, bhikkhus, in regard to things unheard before, there arose in me vision, knowledge, wisdom, 
true knowledge, and light. So long, bhikkhus, as my knowledge and vision of these four noble truths, as they really are in these three phases and twelve aspects, was not thoroughly purified in this way, I did not claim to have awakened to the unsurpassed perfect enlightenment in this world with its devas, mara, brahma, in this generation with its ascetics, brahmins, its devas and humans. But when my knowledge and vision of these four noble truths, as they really are in these three phases and twelve aspects, was thoroughly purified in this way, then I claimed to have awakened to the unsurpassed perfect enlightenment in this world with its devas, mara, and brahma, in this generation with its ascetics and brahmins, its devas and humans. The knowledge and vision arose in me. Unshakable is this liberation of mind. This is my last birth. Now there is no more renewed existence. This is what the Blessed One said. Elated, the bhikkhus of the group of five delighted in the Blessed One's statement. And while this discourse was being spoken, there arose in the venerable Kondanya the dust-free, stainless vision of the Dharma. Whatever is subject to origination is all subject to cessation. And when the Dharma wheel had been set in motion by the Blessed One, the earth-dwelling devas raised a cry, At Varanasi, in the deer park at Ishipatana, this unsurpassed wheel of the Dharma has been set in motion by the Blessed One, which cannot be stopped by any ascetic or Brahmin or Deva or Mara or Brahma or by anyone in the world. Having heard the cry of the earth-dwelling devas, the devas of the realm of the four great kings raised a cry. At Varanasi, in the deer park at Ishipatana, this unsurpassed wheel of the Dharma has been set in motion by the Blessed One, which cannot be stopped by any ascetic or Brahmin or deva or Mara or Brahma or by anyone in the world. Having heard the cry of the devas of the realm of the four great kings, the Tavatimsa devas, the Yama devas, the Tushita devas, the Nirmanarati devas, and the Parinirmita Vashavati devas, the devas of Brahma's company, all raised a cry. At Varanasi, in the deer park, at Ishipatana, this unsurpassed Dharma wheel has been set in motion by the Blessed One, which cannot be stopped by any ascetic or Brahmin or Deva or Mara or Brahma or by anyone in the world. Thus, at that moment, at that instant, at that very second, the cry spread as far as the Brahma world, and this ten-thousand-world system shook, quaked, and trembled, and an immeasurable, glorious radiance appeared in the world, surpassing the divine majesty of the devas. And then the Blessed One uttered this inspired utterance. Kondanya has indeed understood. Kondanya has indeed understood. 
In this way, the Venerable Kondanya acquired the name Anya Kondanya, Kondanya, the one who has understood.